Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler season with us. New cards. Welcome to Spoiler Season Amonkhet Episode 9. We're almost there, Katie. Two more days. Two more days. As always, Spoiler Season is sponsored by Flipside Gaming, FlipsideGaming.com, and New England Comics at NEC Coolidge on Facebook. So, Katie, we're approaching kind of the end here. We only have one more trickle of spoilers and then the full set uh, on Friday. I'm excited yeah. to see everything put together. Yeah, in context. I mean, yeah. you did have a couple more interesting pieces spoiled today of some, some decks that we've been talking about. Definitely. So let's start with uh, the, the, the Last God. Right? Yes, this is the Black God. It's Bantu the Glorified. So this is Black 2 for 4-6. Menace, indestructible. And can't attack or block unless a creature under your control died this turn. And you can play it. You can pay black one to sacrifice another creature, scry one. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So menace and destructible are great. Three for four, six is a good rate. But this condition that a creature has to die that turn, that's... I I know that you can pay and sacrifice and turn it on, but this seems like a pretty steep cost. This seems like the narrowest of the gods to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I think the upside is pretty high, like... Menace and Destructible is really strong. It makes it basically unblockable unless mm-hmm. they want to sacrifice one of their creatures, basically. Right. Because um, normally, you know, you can double block something and maybe, uh, you know, you, you risk getting blown up by removal, but otherwise you can often trade one for one via double block, uh, even if it, the creature does have Menace. But get, because Bontu has Indestructible, that's not going to happen. Um, it's probably going to kill whatever blocks it. Uh, unless, you know, the other gods see a lot of play, then this becomes really easy to block. Uh, yeah. I think that um, we mentioned the other day that uh, an Aristocrats deck, mm-hmm. you know, was, there was some card, I forget, that Micey playing that. Oh, the one that dies and leaves a 2-2 behind, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that this would want to see play either in Aristocrats, because it's going to be able to easily turn on the condition itself, um, or maybe in the black go-wide zombies deck. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Because there's... Uh... Is it today that we have? Today we have a okay, couple so more. Okay, so we'll talk about a, a zombie where this this could be a good ability to sack and, yeah. and drain. I mean, we already have one that whenever a zombie dies, they lose a life. Right. So so maybe there, but it still seems, you know, even in the zombie decks, like the creatures die and come back, but unless you have a lot of aristocr- aristocrats effects or good effects, like you don't usually want to just like throw your creatures away all the time i i think in the zombie deck it's fine because in the zombie deck like this is three mana for a four six menace right which is really really pretty aggressive yeah um and cheap so the zombie deck wants to be aggro and go wide and they can afford to play this um but then also the deck that is taking shape this kind of go wide black black white zombies is looking like it's going to be able to deal a good amount of damage via its attacking with its creatures but also uh, through this kind of reach that it has with these dies triggers, or the one we're going to be talking about with mm. uh, triggers on ATB. And I think that Bantu gives it a little bit more reach and allows it to do this to a greater extent. So I think Bantu might see play in that in that black zombies deck. Yeah, could be. How, how important do you think the scry one is? Not very, honestly. Like, there will be times where you want it and you'll, you know, pay black one and sack something to do it. Like Catacomb Sifter, right, Is was oh, yeah. decent. Oftentimes, you'll just kind of sack a creature when it was going to die anyways to get the scry. Um, but, like, it's weird because you, the time when you'd want to do that, right, is often during combat. Mm-hmm. But that's too late to turn Bontu on, which means you need to sack a creature before combat. Before combat, yeah. Right. So then it's, it's kind of awkward, you know, kind of an awkward ability. Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of, you know, normally you might block with the creature and then sack it to get an effect. In this case, you sack the creature and then you get Bontu as a blocker. So, and it's indestructible. Sure. So it's... Um, I think the other card you should think about uh, playing this with is Hidden Stockpile, right? Which is black-white um, enchantment and you can pay one and sack a creature to scry one and then you also get a servo at the end of the turn. Um, and Bontu would love something like that where you get to mm. pay one extra mana and sack a creature but then you get to make it up with a servo and then every turn you get to turn on Bontu um, for more or less free while also draining and scrying as well. Yeah. Yeah, those those look good together. I could see it. So next we have a card that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited for a little bit. Uh, Glyph Keeper. This is blue blue three for a five three flying sphinx. Whenever this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability for the first time in a turn, counter that spell or ability. And it has embalm blue blue five. So this looks like a, you know, the first thing I think of when I see this is control, control finisher. Control finisher, absolutely. Yeah. Flying, pseudo, hexproof. Right, big, right. Kind, big front end anyway. The pro- What problems do you see with this card as a control with finisher? Three toughness. Three toughness is really bad, That's right? So, it's so, yeah, it's so killable. I mean, the embalm, I think, is helpful in the, like, pseudo hexproof, but the three toughness is really pathetic against what we have in the air right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're just depending on you need to have the removal spells or the counter spells for their avacins and whatever else they're, they're throwing up in the sky, but... It's really, it's really small. And you're also comparing this to the other possible control finishers, right? Like Torrential Gear Hulk or yeah. uh, the Bird God, like the 5-5 five five Indestructible Flyer. And this kind of looks really bad against those, right? Like if you're attacking this into 5-5 five five Bird God with flying, then you're just, that's really poor. Yeah. Uh, this thing does not want to be in combat at no, all. No, not um, at all. So I, I wonder whether... Uh, this card seeing play in that kind of control role will depend on what answers end up being played. Mm. Because I think if uh, people end up playing a lot of uh, Declaration Stone, Anguish Unmaking, Cast Out, then maybe Bird God is not, Kefnet is not really where you want to be. Sure. And maybe Glyph Keeper gets a little bit better. Right. But if people are heavier on counter spells and graveyard you know, removal or like board wipes, yeah. um, then you probably want to stay away from Glyph Keeper and play more along the lines of... Uh, uh, the bird god yeah yeah so it'll just depend yeah void shatter answers this completely cleanly right i think oh yeah yeah um, then they don't even get the embalm yeah but assuming like they can only beat this with removal and like you have control of the board this is like a four for one yeah i mean that sounds terrible right like they use a spell doesn't work they use another spell okay finally it's in the graveyard look at that i embalm it like it you know assuming it really is the only thing in the air yeah (laughs) which but i don't think that's a good assumption yeah, I think oftentimes, uh, and again, this actually goes back to something we were talking about in, earlier in the season, about liking your control finishers to not just win the game for you when you're ahead, but also maybe to help you catch up when you're behind yeah. or stabilize a bit. This card does not do that because this card does not block at all, Yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas Bird God can help you block and uh, Torrential Gearhulk can not only block, but card advantage you, as does Bird God a little bit. Yeah, well, so Bird God definitely helps with the card advantage it can potentially block you have to have it turned on yeah which if you're falling behind in the control deck might be because you don't have seven cards sure so you know this but could it's, be... it's so cheap that you can play it out and then you can draw some cards bounce yeah. land and now you have seven in your hand and i'm just saying that like it's much more likely to be able to catch you up this card will never catch you up no no mind. this is just hoping to sit on the battlefield and have no one mess with it yeah <laughs> kind of reminds me of um what's it called prognostic sphinx 
but although prognostic sphinx had kind of the opposite problem where it had uh, such uh, it was a three five right so it was like really slow at oh, clocking yeah. your opponent it could never finish the job yeah so that was pretty disappointing that. um and it was it was just like sat there and it was a possible control finisher but everything else in the format just had better options for control finisher right um so i worry that glyph keeper might end up occupying that role of like an option but usually worse than other stuff right like if you're looking for something to kind of play that role like just play sphinx at the final word yeah like sphinx is just it's a little it's a little more expensive two more mana but sphinx is really strong it's a good blocker it has protection from like all the things except for board wipes uh big fan of it big fan of it yeah what's our next card kate our next card is sweltering suns this is red red one sorcery Sweltering Suns deals three damage to each creature, and you can cycle it for three. So this is almost identical to Radiant Flames, also a three-mana sorcery that can deal up to three damage to each creature. Um, and honestly, you're not playing it if you can't deal three damage to. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are like very special circumstances where you might intentionally cast it for two, but that's that's pretty much never happening. Yeah, and there's also, uh, you can cast it for four sometimes. You have a Thalia out, raise the cost of your instants and sorceries by one, you could cast it for four. Uh, and it's a four mana uh, deal four, like a Languish-esque okay. effect. Seems seems pretty rare, but mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this has the nice cycling tacked on, um, and this has the double red requirement instead of the spread across color requirement. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that jumps, so like you said, Radiant Flames replacement, like Radiant Flames was supposed to rotate with this set, so this is the replacement for it. Uh, a couple things, though, that make this different is... Since it's in the same format as Radiant Flames right now, we have, can evaluate them together. Uh, yeah. I think that double red uh, will be something to account for because three color decks that are doing kind of late splashes will prefer Radiant Flames because XYZ is usually going to be easier for that deck to cast than red red. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing to think about. Cycling is another one. Uh, I think that it allows you to, uh, you know, if the format is looking kind of aggressive, it makes it less bad to mainboard this a card. Um, which I, I really like. And I think that the third thing that's really relevant is that if the format becomes a little bit grindier, uh, Goblin Dark Dwellers could never flash back Radiant Flames. It oh, can flash back this card. Converge. Exactly. But this card, being able to cast, pay five mana, get a 4 4, and deal three damage to everything is really nice. Oh. I really like it a lot. So yeah. I think that uh, the, that interaction is something to pay attention to. So I guess that's Dark Dwellers or the Blue Gear Hulk, right? Like any Gear Hulk only hits instants. Oh, I always forget about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It'd be it'd be nice if it also <laughs> hit sorcerers as well, but uh, okay. yeah. Sure, but Goblin Dark Dwellers if that if that finds a home. Yeah. Interesting. I, I love Dark Dwellers. The format it's just so needs to good. slow down a little bit yeah. and Dark Dwellers becomes good again. Yeah. Um there was the deck on MTGO that was putting up some results. It was a Jun deck that was Dark Dwellers and Traverse the Ulven Walls, and I, I played with it for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was so grindy, but just, like, the format was a little bit too too fast, I think, with Marty right. Vehicles. Well, you know, we'll see. We're seeing a lot of pretty aggressive red cards. Yeah. So do you want to introduce us to uh, the newest of these zombie cards? In the... Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Min to... was right with the colors, too. Not just black, but what the secondary color mm-hmm. is going to be. White. White. Yeah, I have to say, with, with this spoiler that I'm about to read and the ones that we had yesterday, I'm getting pretty excited about the zombie deck. You sent me a text message today saying you were off the snack train and you were onto the zombie wagon. Don't tell snack. I I'm kind of yeah. I mean you currently have snack sleeped up, so like that might be pretty hurtful. Like we have one more F and M to do, and uh, and snack and I are might, gonna go all the way. It might be really awkward, you know, like kind of like the uh, 
what was it the artist who got in a fight with her paintbrush oh no no it was um a person an archer who mm. was in love with her bow but yeah um once she broke up with her bow um it was awkward to work with her ex and so she stopped winning competitions yeah and this is like real yeah this like is Olympic real person, wasn't yeah it? this is um like objectophilia people uh-huh. who are in love with objects so i think she ended up marrying the golden gate bridge yeah yeah um i can see i mean it's a really beautiful bridge yeah and they have a deep relationship built on one-sided love. <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah because those are always the best kinds of relationships when it's one-sided yeah i'm yeah. sorry if we have listeners who are into objects uh yeah my bad <laughs> but you know hey Whatever makes you happy. Hopefully magic. Hopefully magic. There you go. Come for the magic and stay for the objectophilia. Uh, so what do we got, Katie? All right. So this is Wayward Servant. It's black-white for a 2-2. Solid rate. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. You gain one life. So drain for every zombie that enters the yeah. battlefield. I, I think that like the deck looks... Yesterday, the three cards we got, or the four cards we got, yep. I think pushed the deck a little bit more, and I think this card is, is just such a good linchpin. Yeah. That I now, now I feel like if you're going to... If you're interested in playing center competitively, this is one of the first decks you try in the format. Um, I, I'm not going to come out and say zombies is tier one yeah because this is actually what we saw with vampires from innistrad where people were like wow a lot of good vampire synergy synergy. a lot of the cards are really strong olivia is just very powerful yeah and then vampires ended up being uh pretty subpar so the same thing could happen with zombies but when you put together the support that we had in innistrad plus the support that we're now getting in amonkhet um it seems it seems good yeah i so now you have ways to drain every time a zombie enters or leaves the battlefield. We also still have cards, like you said, from Innistrad that support zombie tribal, right? Kalidus, which is a great way to generate zombies. Sure. If you have any sorts of kill spells, every time you make a token. Yeah, you're in the color with Fatal Push. Like, yeah. Like, and Grasp of Darkness. It, it seems like it has potential. I will be very curious to how it plays out. It doesn't really you seem a, like it goes that wide, white though. One, white one pump effect, too. Oh, yeah, for all zombies. Which is great, yeah. yeah. What do you mean it doesn't go wide? All those zombies are, like, one to three mana. Right, but, like, I guess what I'm saying, they don't go wide. There aren't a lot of zombie token makers. Well, Embalm does it, but I think, like, mostly you won't be using that. You'll be using the fact that, like, Relentless Dead keeps bringing back zombies, right? Mm. The one mana one keeps coming back. Prized Amalgam is going to come back based on anything that leaves the graveyard. Uh, I think that it can go wide pretty quickly. Haunted, if you're playing Haunted Dead, uh, you get to... You know, Haunted Dead discards the zombie that's going to come back and a prized amalgam, bring back Haunted Dead, bring back prized amalgam, bring back this other thing, and you get a spirit. And then you cast the pump effect and, like, swing for a whole bunch. And, like, if you have mm-hmm. this wayward servant out, they're going to take a bunch of damage, and then you just kill them all. Just because you're bringing all your stuff Yeah, back. right? Like, it just seems it seems pretty good. Maybe you yeah. even run, like, Yeheni, and then you just sack your board to Yeheni afterward and, like, kill them. Yeah. So I, I think that this card is really cool. Uh, two mana, two, two with this this good of an effect on it. Uh, I think makes it a shoe in for any zombie deck that wants to play white. Um, I think Esper might be the way to go um, because Ooh. I think being able to cast Prized Amalgam is nice. Uh, it's something that I, you know. <laughs> well, you don't like playing cards that you can't cast? I, I think it's okay. I think like in Blue Red Emerge, yeah. most of the time it's fine. There have been moments when I've wished I could cast Prized Amalgam, but it, it might be worth it. I don't know whether it's worth it to Splash Blue. You know, testing, yeah. will, testing will show. Mm-hmm. All right. Our next card is Enigma Drake. This is red, blue, one for a star four flying. Aw, you're a star. Thanks, Katie. 
You're a star. Thanks. Um, well, its power is equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Okay. Well, uh, you like it? Yeah. Well, so I have to say, I saw this and immediately thought of modern. Not knowing a lot about modern, but knowing that three is an magic acceptable number. mana cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the magic number. If it's three, it can make it. And oh, I thought you want toughness. Oh, yeah. And that. It's four toughness, so mm-hmm. this is not dying to bolt. Mm-hmm. And and there are decks, there are, like, say, Grixis decks with blue and red that can dump instants and sorceries in their graveyard. And I feel like this could get pretty big. But I don't know what it's competing with or, or what deck it fits into. I just feel like it, like, sort of has the attributes to maybe fit in a deck. Yeah, this is basically, so this is a very, very close to a reprint of Spellheart Chimera. Mm. Um, and Spellheart Chimera was... Uh, the same cost, but had three toughness, but had trample along with flying. Oh, trample um, would be. But I so think that good. this card is better because I think like if you want to play this in the air, you're not competing with a whole lot of stuff that like if they meet in combat, it's going to trade anyways. So yeah. like the tra- I don't think the trample is super valuable. Um, so I like the extra point of toughness over the trample. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in standard, there's not often going to be a deck that wants this like. No. Maybe you can throw it into like team or tower as a couple of or post board or something and get some, you know, a strong attacker in. Um, in modern, I think that this is usually like blue red, you're probably playing it in like a Grixis shell, and then you're just competing with Tassiger or Grimag Angler. And sure, those two cards don't have flying, but they're going to kill everything on the ground, anyways. That's true. Um, so, uh, and they also provide the additional advantages of like Tassiger provides card advantage. They can both be cast for one mana instead of three. Um, but you know, flying is a real thing, and maybe that that this ends up being something that you want. But uh, right now, I, I don't expect to see it around in, in any format very yeah. much. Cool. And and uh, also just to wrap up, limited probably not that good because you usually don't play that many. Yeah, you're just not gonna have enough, enough yeah. things to turn on. If you're It'll already be like in a zero one or, or sorry a zero four or one four. If you're already in blue red and like I, I don't know what the draft archetypes are gonna be, but if blue red is spell heavy. I could see playing this. Like a three mana yeah. two four or a three mana three four is is good. Yeah. Flying, flying, right? That's right. the I thing mean, that's that pushes what, yeah. it, yeah. So speaking of pushing it, the next card yeah. looks pretty pushed by wizards. Has a has a bunch of keywords. Yeah, looks like they kinda wanted this one to see play. Uh, this is Samet, Voice of Descent, maybe Samut. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the you know just, just decide. Samut. No Samut. Stop. Samut. Stop making him up. Voice of Descent. This is red green three for a legendary creature, human warrior. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a three four with flash, double strike, vigilance, haste, and other creatures you control have haste, and you can pay white and tap it to untap another target creature. It's just so much text that does stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of text that does stuff, but the thing that I like is that the keywords they chose here are not just like random keywords that are keyword soup. The keywords have been chosen, it looks like, to make this card very, very versatile. Um, you can play that, so there's like so many different play patterns you can use with this, where you can flash this in on your opponent's turn, you can then attack with this and any other creature that you play on your next turn, So because it, it gives other stuff haste, um, it blocks really well with double strike. It attacks mm. really well with double strike. You're able to do both because it has vigilance. Um, additionally, because it has haste, you can flash this in, and if you have six mana, you can untap something else immediately. Uh, you can untap exerters as well. 
this card is just like, there's so much you can do with it. Um, and I think the biggest problem it has is just that it costs five mana. Because yeah. the five mana slot in standard is looking really packed right now. Uh, you have Samet, you have Avacyn, you have Glorybringer, you have Angel of uh, Sanctions, you have, uh, what else is five? Liliana. Liliana in black, yeah. You just have so many options for five mana that are all really powerful. This is competing with a lot of stuff. But we've talked about um, a kind of hypothetical green X stompy deck, probably like green red stompy mid range, and this card just feels like a shoe in. Like I, if you're in green red, like you maybe you run a mix of this and Glorybringer, but this card is just like a, it's just very strong. Um, and I think if Abyssin ends up seeing a lot of play in the format, Samet gets a lot worse. Mm. Uh, but once she rotates, uh, and one if, if she doesn't see a ton of play, then Samet's really good. And I'd say even if he does see play, like Samet is still really good. Just flash it on your opponent's turn, and then you know, you you, you know. Yeah, flash it in for blocks. Yeah, it's just it seems very powerful. In limited, this is probably just like oh yeah, one of the best cards in the set, if not the best card in the set. I don't know how you beat this card unless you have a removal spell for it right away. This card just kills everything. Yeah. Uh, like, I guess it doesn't beat gods, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This game, it's just really, really strong. Yeah. I guess the other thing I think is interesting is it is red-green in the mana cost, and then the ability to untap is white. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, well, I I don't know that I expect to see a red-green-white deck. I, I'll tell you what I think. Okay. I'll tell you what I think. So first, the white is, I, I think the white is just like a bonus upside. Oh, yeah. Uh, you Still can play, play it in red green, even if you can. Yeah, ignore the white ability. Maybe you're on Aether Hub or Spire of Industry and you can pay white and mm. great. But I, I find it interesting that it kind of forms this Naya card. Um, and what we found out today was that uh, Amon Ket originally had eight gods and not five. Oh. Uh, but three of them are missing uh, for some reason. So it are we is, getting them in the next hour of devastation? We could perhaps get them in hour of devastation. <gasps> Will they be like? Because Bolas is three. Are they going to be okay? Keep talking. Well, there's not enough, right? Like, if you want all the wet, all the shards. Yeah. But uh, with this being Naya. Maybe Hour of Devastation will have a bit of a shard theme, given that uh, Bolas is Grixis, and we're doing top-down Bolas, so maybe we'll see some of the other shards as well. Mm. Uh, it will be interesting to see, uh, because this is Naya. This is green yeah. and red, and it's got white in its cost. So. That would be very cool. Very push Naya card, too. So oh, like, yeah. this is going to see play. Yeah. I do hope... I'm a little bit worried about the four toughness. I just Double strike, doesn't matter. I know, I just think it'll like trade with everything. Which is maybe fine, but, you know, like, even if, if it uh, bites Avacyn, it trades. Can't even beat Avacyn. Well, unless, I mean, I, like I said, this card is bad against Avacyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But against other creatures that, it will, that we'll see play, um, this beats pretty much everything else in combat. Um, it doesn't beat Virtuous Gearhulk uh, or, like, other big things um, in that kind of deck. It doesn't beat Glorybringer if they're blocking with it, but I don't think they're blocking with Glorybringer. And I guess it's bad against uh, if there's like the, what is it, the 3 4 with the minus one, minus one counters on it, or the 4 4 with the minus one, minus one counters on it that get removed, or like Grim Flare when it's big. Uh, so, like, yeah, against like four toughness creatures that also have four power, so like four fours, 
uh, that are not Avacyn, uh, because I think like Avacyn just beats it no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think that it's 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 not great, but uh, yeah, I think I just think it's it's really strong. It's just so versatile and flashy. It is flashy. So our next card is by force. I like this card. I... Yeah, and we just to clarify. This is by force, not bui force, and not bi force. Right? Wow. Because there's a lot of different ways to interpret this. One of them could be that you would like to purchase a little bit of F equals MA. You know, you want to say, yo, I'd like to buy a little bit of gravity, a little bit of electromagnetism, mix a mixed bag of forces. Sure. Alternatively, by force, bi force. Maybe you're like applying two forces at the same time, right? But no, this is by force. So you're doing presumably some action via force. Okay, you could call this card via force, I think would be an acceptable name for it, just to reduce <laughs> ambiguity. Thank you for that, um, Clara. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I try to do what I can. Uh, so yes. this card is Red X Sorcery. Destroy X target artifacts. Oh, I like it. Me too. Uh, this is like, I think I usually play this over Release the Gremlins. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, just because it's cheap and it, it's flexible. Yeah. Like, yep. It's yeah, It's really nice. Yeah. I mean, at worst, you know, turn two, they play heart. Turn two, you destroy heart. Yeah. Two mana, destroy an artifact. <laughs> Uh, it's like a two mana sorcery shatter, three mana you kill. Like yeah, it just scales up yeah, so well. Yeah, it scales gremlins, so quickly. Gremlins is uh, slower, where you usually want to try to cast it for five, so you get like real maximum value off right. of it. Even though casting it for three is fine, um, but this card is, just seems really good. Yeah, uh, this card could uh, feasibly maybe see modern play as well if you're like in a deck. But I, I assume you just play Shatter Storm instead, so mm. probably not. Probably not. Yeah, even just. Um... Like against Whirler Virtuoso, just like pay red X, destroy X softers. Yeah, as like a like, oh dang it, I for some reason really need to deal with these one ones uh, like to sometimes kill them. They can get in a lot of damage. Like if yeah, they're sure. doing the damage race, sometimes it matters if you sure. can kill four softers yeah. in the air. I, I don't think you play this card because you want oh, to kill no, softers. No, but I don't like think it's so a either. As an incidental thing that yeah. could happen, sure, yeah. sure. Um, next card is Vizier of Many Faces. This is Blue Blue 2, and this is our clone of the set. Uh, Blue Blue 2, zero, 0, You may have, and get ready for some some words, okay? You may have Vizier of Many Faces enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except if Vizier of Many Faces was embalmed, the token has no mana cost, it's white, and it's a zombie in addition to his other types. And it has embalm Blue Blue 3. Kitty, I call on you. Kitty was raising her hand, that's why I had a call on her there go ahead yes so just to be extra clear so if you embalm this yeah you cannot copy something no you can you have to otherwise i didn't get that dies. i thought it came in well yeah so i thought you had to have something on the field that pumped zombies i did not no. understand this card you know if i thought it came in as a zero zero zombie and then the only way that no because it starts off you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature yeah on the battlefield right so i cast i embalm this let's say Come in, it's like, ah, there's a Ulamog. I'm going to copy that. I, I copy Ulamog. But it says, oh, wait, it was embalmed. So this Ulamog token has no mana cost, is white, and is also a zombie. Okay. That's all. Yeah. So uh, what do you think? Okay, I'm a little bit biased because in modern I play... Phantasmal Image. Phantasmal Image. And the card is just awesome. It's it's so flexible. It's a it's, super different card. I know, but it's I just two really mana. like two mana is so good. I know. I Clone know. effects are bad. They never really see standard play. Um, this probably won't see standard play. The fact that it has embalm is nice and like 
maybe someone wants this, but this is like a classic case of this card is just, it, clones aren't, aren't great. They have to be costed really competitively or they need to be part of some good combo um, to do something really good and probably just not enough. Sorry. Four mana clone, right? Not not quite good enough. If we see a lot of if we see a lot of ETBs, then maybe maybe you want it. Like you could clone Gear Hulk and flash back another thing for four. You know my control deck. So then I I'm like, dang it! My opening hand has a Vizier of Many Faces in it. I guess I even though I'm trying to kill all of their creatures, I guess I'll leave one so I can clone it. And then they use their removal, and then I it makes me sad. I do think this is cool with the uh, enchantment that doubles tokens, where you get to embalm this and get two copies of different creatures. Yeah, but that card's just cool with any tokens. Yeah, the, but that's like I like double. That doesn't make things. this special. It's no, this it's, card is special. No, it's not. It's a clone. It's a clone effect. When was the last time a clone effect saw play in standard? I think the last time a clone effect saw play in standard was Phantasmal Image, because yeah, Phantasmal Image was uh, you could combo it with Sun Titan. Uh, in Solar Flare, the Solar Flare deck, where you bring back Sun Titan, okay? Sun Titan is a white-white four, and when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you can return a creature with Convertment, a permanent, sorry, non-land permanent with Convert, maybe a, maybe just any permanent, I don't know. Convertment costs three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. So what you do, you play Sun Titan, bring back Image, copy Sun Titan. Oh, Sun Titan just entered the battlefield. Bring back another Image. Oh, Sun Titan just entered the battlefield. Bring back, so like, you loop these, you bring back a bunch of things, and like, now you're board is really really powerful um but normally clones are not good enough to see standard play um just because of the weaknesses they face like they're bad when you're behind when you're ahead you probably don't need them uh and if you're a parody like and eh, there's just better stuff to play than a than a clone effect because you can't rely on like your opponent having something you want to clone or like you even having a creature on the battlefield if you're behind yeah I guess I just keep thinking about, like, the good circumstances. Like, I don't see this seeing play in a deck with Verger's Gear Hulk, but, like, four mana, another Verger's Gear Hulk, like, like, things with ETBs, you know, more copies of your good cards is good. Or more copies of your opponent's good cards is good. It's just, you're right. Like, it's it's so circumstantial, right? Like, they have to have the cards that you want. It That only brings you to parity. You have to have good cards. That means you're doing fine. Like, yeah, and you are playing like blue, blue forward as well, which is a little bit harder if you're not if you're not heavy colors. into blue. Yeah, um, I think like to opt if like assuming you want to actually play this in constructed to optimize it, you need to be playing a deck really heavy on creatures and have those creatures be very good uh, because you also don't want to pay four mana to clone a three or less creature. Right. Um. So like you want to be cloning something more expensive, uh, ideally or at, at worst something that has the same mana cost as it. So uh, if you want to build that deck, throw it together. Happy to happy to test it out for you. Oh, so disappointing. I love Phantasmal Image. It is so flexible. It's a really good card. Yeah. That's why. It's not a normal clone effect. Clone effects usually cost four. Phantasmal Image costs two. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you it's copied Drug Skull Captain with it. I know. Stupid. I copied it twice, and then I have three of them. Amazing. Yeah, because that's just called overkill. Um, so I believe our final card of the night is called Gideon's Intervention, uh, and this is another story card. Uh, we saw this from the trailer actually, uh, where Hazaret is trying to stab, you know, uh, Deem Worthy, one of the uh, Amon Ketu. <laughs> I think it's Amon Ketu. 
Okay. Uh, in, the, in the Egyptian plural, I believe, you add a U to the end. Uh, Amaketu. <laughs> no, I'm not making that up. That's actually oh, okay. a real thing. Uh, so uh, he tries to stab him. Gideon jumps in the way and has his magic force field because apparently he has force fields now. Even though be previously he just had like superpower skin that makes him not take damage. Anyways, Gideon's intervention is white, white, two enchantment. Again, another enchantment. As Gideon's intervention enters the battlefield, choose a card name. Your opponents can't cast spells with a chosen name. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you and permanents you control by sources with a chosen name. So cool. This is really cool. Yeah. I mean, if they have it in their hand, you shut down the card. If they have something on the battlefield that's a problem, you shut down the card. So whether they've cast it or not, you're shutting it down. If like you're afraid of a burn spell off the top, but you've mostly stabilized on the board name whatever their burn spell is if you know you're nervous about like their finisher or you know it's very cool i like this because this is this is a cross between ruined halo uh ruined halo is an enchantment which is white white uh you choose a card name and then uh you you have protection from the chosen name um and meddling mage where meddling mage is white blue for a 2-2 it's a creature when it uh, enters battlefield you choose a card name and your opponents can't cast spells with that name this has both of those effects for the mana cost added together but no blue so just white white two Mm. um and i think that this card is oftentimes going to be as good as a removal spell assuming you're playing a control deck like certainly they can still block with the creature although the creature becomes really like all it's going to be is a wall because it also prevents damage to your permanents Right, which is pretty nice, um, but oftentimes this is going to be a basically a removal spell where you can cast this um, removal spell and counter spell kind of comboed. Right, you can name Sahili Rai, you can name Felidar Guardian. Oh. Um, you in the past could have named Emrakul, the Promised End, <laughs> uh, or Traverse the Olvenwald, uh, Ishkana. You know, any of these kinds of like cards that if a deck is relying on a card to really get ahead, even naming something like Walking Ballista when you are at like. I don't know, four life against a green-black opponent and they're top-decking, it feels terrible to get Walking Ballistic out of the game. Right. Um, so. And they might not have another way to close. Yeah. If you have any hand disruption, you can name something in their hand. If you don't have hand disruption, then you usually want to name something on the battlefield, and then it's a removal spell with upside that they draw a card that's a multiple, then it's just dead. Um, and then, you know, in the late game, if you don't really have anything to do, like, eh, cast this, name what you're most afraid of, and, and you're all set. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think it's a nice card. Um, I think... You don't play it in limited, uh, but yeah. uh, in constructed, it's, Definitely it's not a little bit better. There's yeah. not enough consistency or scary stuff. Definitely not. So, question. What do you think about throwing this in the Sahili deck, like, to name Ballista or to name Grasp of Darkness or to name whatever their answer happens to be to your combo? Uh, naming, like, Thalia or something? Yeah, like Thalia. Yeah, I don't... Oh, Thalia... No, naming Thalia wouldn't even work. Well, well if it was in I their hand. like it. I don't like yeah. it because a lot of the ways of dealing with the combo are things that are static abilities that, you know, if and they're cheaper than this. So, like, if you name, uh, what is it, Manglehorn, or you name Thalia, uh, yeah, so I, I don't particularly like it in Sahili. Maybe post-board if, like, you really want to hate the hate. But I think, like, I think Sahili doesn't need it because Sahili plays such a good value game anyways. It's not like you're dead if they answer the combo. Yeah. Um, so I like this much better against Sahili than I do in Sahili. Cool. So, um, yeah, depending on what the meta looks like, uh, I think this card maybe sees play as like a one or two of in a control deck, but like it's a little bit pricey, so yeah. I kind of err on the side of just playing better answers. 
So uh, that was actually our last card of the night. Uh, we only had nine spoilers today, so a little bit, a little bit low on uh, on the the Watsy side. Uh, we have 152 out of 269 cards, so still over 100 to go. And the plan is we'll review the cards that spoil tomorrow. Then on Friday, get excited because we're doing a two-part podcast. That's right, folks. On Friday, we're going to be doing one podcast in the afternoon. We're going to uh, min. Uh, his daughter and myself will be reviewing half the set, and then Katie uh, will pop in that evening, and we, uh, she and I will res- uh, review the remainder of the set. So, fun-filled, exciting uh, week ahead of us. Uh, and you know, once all the cards come out, we can kind of do you know talk a little bit about what our maybe top five cards are in the set, what we are hoping to get out of the constructed format, limited format, um, and where we think we'll be. Yeah, can't wait to see it all come together. Yeah, it's been a fun set so far, and I'm. I'm Already kind of looking forward to our devastation. See that. See, I just want to see. I want to get Nickel Bloss. I need to be able to play Grix Control. That is the funny thing about Magic players, right? Like you get to the pre-release and people are so excited to play with the new cards, and immediately you hear them saying, "I just can't wait for the next set." And you're like, "Really? This set hasn't even technically come out yet." Yeah, but the next set has Bolas in it. Yeah. I like Bolas. Okay. He's a big planeswalker that control decks play. Okay. Well, that's why I like him. <laughs> For now, you have Dark Intimations, so you can live off that But high. Dark Intimations is bad. Unless Bolas is good. So what you're saying is, the next set is exciting because Bolas is in it. No, I don't want to play Bolas. Mm. I hope they have really good green stuff to kill Bolas. Hey, you might have to go into blue so you can play some Nyssa. Oh, yeah. Get some of that Ashaya action. Yeah. Do you hear that Nyssa friend zone Chandra in the story today? <gasps> what? Yes. Drama. Oh my gosh. Chandra was all like... So, like, what you're saying is, like, only a friend for now? <gasps> and Nissa was like, yeah, I guess. Whoa, that must be the blue in her. Yeah, rejecting that red, right? <laughs> like, enemy colors. She yeah. can't, can't deal. Chandra's such a hothead, you know? Literally. Not, yeah, yeah. So, that's about it for tonight. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with more. As always, thanks to uh, New England Comics, uh, NEC Coolidge on Facebook, and Flipside Gaming at FlipsideGaming.com. I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And And this is Spoiler Spoiler Season. Season.